Now, you probably saw a rather alarming headline during the week that deserves a little bit of closer scrutiny. More than half of native Irish plants are in decline. The Botanical Society of Britain and Ireland, which published the report, based its findings on two decades of research. It said farming and forestry had destroyed many habitats on which wild Irish plants depend. It shows that 56% of Ireland's native plants have declined either in range or abundance or both. Habitat loss and degradation rather than climate change is the main cause. Now this rather distressing report comes in the form of an atlas with over 3 million entries of recorded plants in it. Those entries have been made by literally thousands of recorders working on behalf of the Botanical Society of Britain, Ireland, Britain and Ireland over the last two decades. On Monday, I met the president of the society, Micheline Sheehy Skeffington, in the Burren, where she showed me how that work was done. I check where I am, see which one kilometre grid square, these are all on the discovery maps. Uh-huh. I'd list every single plant that I, I see, every species. What level of scrutiny are you giving this? Like, I mean, let's looking at this field here, are you just casting an eye over no. it or are you getting no. in on your hands and knees? And hands and knees. Yeah, now here's one. Uh, this is a, 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 one of the first. It's called a grass, Whitlow grass, mm-hmm. and uh, it flowers very early. The habit of a lifetime was not going to be one that Dr Sheehy Skeffington would break for a countrywide interview. I bring a hand lens with me and I pick a piece and I look to see the structure, the length of the petals, the, the, the hairiness of the stems. We hadn't walked 50 metres down a County Clare boreen before she was hunkered down on the ground, scrutinising a flowering plant that my eyes hadn't even registered. There are a lot of species you just can't tell without okay. actually having a hand as and often just taking it home and putting it under a microscope. Here's a nice five-bar gate to come and have a lean against okay. now. <laughs> I find five-bar gates are essential to the thinking they, I, process. Yeah, I guess so. It's full of this Whitlow grass. I'm nice to see that, actually. For the last 20 years, an army of botanists, amateur and professional around Ireland, have been recording the strength of numbers of nearly 3,000 species of flower, grass, moss or plant of any kind that they note on their field trips. Their results have been uploaded and collated by the Botanical Society of Britain and Ireland for this, the third botanical atlas of the society. And the headline news that that vast survey has generated is pretty ominous. Well, the big headline is the stunning amount of species that have declined in distribution. 56% of our native species have declined. And that means that we're not finding them in places where they were recorded before 1987. Does in decline mean that a handful of botanists have noticed slightly less of a particular plant or does it mean something more profound than that? Much more so. I mean, there's two and a half thousand people have been out recording for this last atlas. It was a big push for 20 20 years. years. It took 20 years to get the records. It took three years to collate the data and produce what this atlas is. It's a stunning new development to have it both online and in book form to see the trends, the declines, the increase in some cases um, and and to be able to see that as a a snapshot. It's a a snapshot for the year 2000, 2020. 
there are in our lifetimes as well, according to this atlas now, species that have disappeared completely, that are now extinct. Yeah, and, and that's kind of really sad. I mean, they may occur elsewhere, but they're not in Ireland anymore. Boxbaum sedge is a sedge. It's a small sedge, quite attractive um, fruiting head on it. But it only occurs in cultivation. You can find it in National Botanic Gardens in Dublin. And, and, and that's it. In the North, and that's it. Um, the Rannock Rush was a really exciting find that Professor J.J. Moore found in a bog in County Offaly. Um, it wasn't found anywhere else in Ireland. It's it's more of a northern species, and of course it got destroyed with with exploitation of um, the peatland. So that's disappeared. And um, then the, there's the oak fern is another one that hasn't been found. What do you say to the people who would say, "Oh look, a handful of plants is an acceptable level of botanical casualty, so that we can continue to live our lives the way that we do right now." It's not a handful of plants for one, um, and also. Remember that plants are the basis of all life. We depend on plants and all the insects and other invertebrates depend on plants. The vertebrates, the animals actually that we have grazing this land, they all depend on plants. If you have a diversity of plants, you have a diversity of other life there. And that diversity actually maintains the landscape. It maintains all of the things, flowering or otherwise, in in a, a network, if you like, an ecosystem. There's a term which this atlas introduced me to that I had never come across before, biomonotony. <laughs> what, what do you mean by biomonotony? Well, it was coined, I think, by the author of our, our summary report. And basically, um, what I would call maybe wall-to-wall lolium, which lolium is the rye grass in Latin, um, where you just get, you, you walk into a field and um, in, in the field, or it could be a lake, and, and you find maybe five species same ones in the next field, same ones in the next lake or pond. And that's monotonous in that you get no diversity from, from space to space. You get the same species and they're always the same common species. Um, I'm sorry, is that happening as a consequence of agricultural practice? It's as a consequence of land land use. It can be building of roads. It can be build, extensification of, of, of building sites. It can be all kinds of things. It is partly agriculture. And as I say, the farmers should be and enabled to work towards a more sustainable system. It's not that sustainable to be dependent on a lot of chemicals that are imported anyway from abroad. So they should be enabled. But it is a consequence of changes in land use. It's kind of counterintuitive, isn't it, that there's an awful lot of these species that are at risk because of fertiliser. It doesn't help them grow, it actually inhibits their yeah, growth. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it is. I mean, what fertiliser does is it encourages the, the vigorous grasses, and that's great for grazing. And you can't stop farmers, you know, doing that if they're trying to produce animals on, on the land. But I, I think what we need to do in the Department of Agriculture needs to work with conservation bodies and the National Parks and Wildlife Service to see where is it absolutely necessary because when you do put the fertiliser in it encourages a few species to grow really vigorously and the other ones that maybe even can't compete for the light because grass is growing over them or can't, don't like the heavy fertiliser they just disappear and you don't see that because you've got green grass and you don't see that maybe you know the cowslips or the field gentian have disappeared. The other side of that coin, though, is we're at the moment standing in a landscape that has been helped by grazing, helped by farming, 
uh, as opposed to being inhibited by it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's one thing. The farmers are the custodians of the land and they know best how to manage the land. And it's incredibly important that grazing in particular, but farming in general, is maintained and that our landscape doesn't give way to abandonment. I have been, I've been doing some work on the Kerry Lily, for example, and I see areas where because there's no longer grazing in the area, it's got smothered by even just heathers and things like that. So we, we don't need land abandonment. We, we need to work with the farmers, support the farmers, support them in, in what they're trying to do. And in the burn is a case in point where there was a terrific scheme, the burn farming for nature. And, and the farmers now all know their plants. And it should be rolled out, that kind of what's called results-based agriculture, where you actually, you know, you, you work with the farmer and we say, right, well, this field can produce, say, field gentian or ordinary gentian, not so often, but um, cowslips, that's just as, as an example. You know best how to manage that. If you produce those, we'll give you 100% payment. If you produce half of the species list here, then you'll get 50%. So it's an incentive to farm in a way that the farmers intuitively know anyway. And we should be able to encourage that in loads of areas, particularly in the west of Ireland, you know, here, where it's not intensive farming, it's not intensive management of the land. Farmers here should get far more recognition for what they're doing because they're the custodians of the land and the custodians of the ecosystems and the health of the land and indeed the water body. It's pretty obvious what you think should be happening at a government level, at a government agency, at a corporate level. What should we be doing at an individual level, though, Micheline? One of the things I find troublesome is the wildflower seeds and the wildflower mixes. Um, I've heard it said that you can't have a wildflower meadow without using herbicide. And I, I just, that doesn't make any ecological sense. A lot of the wildflowers are colourful, um, but they're annuals, which means that they don't live more than a year. And many they're, of them aren't doing the bees much good either, are Well, they? the bees don't necessarily go to these. And, and when you think about it too, like for example, the butterfly, a peacock, might be a butterfly that's quite spectacular, might come to, to your wildflowers, depending on what it is. But they won't survive unless the larvae feed off their food plant, which in this case is nettles. So if you get rid of all the nettles with no herbicide, you, you don't have peacock butterflies. It doesn't matter how many wildflowers you sow. They're not really part of a natural ecosystem and they don't survive. What I'm struck by, though, is the difference between the landscape when this exercise first started 60 years ago and now. We don't notice those mm. changes because we're living in the middle of it, but if you were to transport somebody from 1963 to 2023, they'd notice one hell of a difference. They would, yeah. Project forward to 2283 now... On our current trajectory, what do you think this landscape oh, I would think look it, like? It would, certainly, we'd have biomonotony. I think if on our trajectory is the key thing. I think we just need, in all senses, in, including and especially climate change, we need to stop in our tracks and say we need to work better on this and, and, and do something more sustainable. If it continues like this, yes, in, the, in, in 2083, there won't be very much left of, of the landscape you know, or the species, any of them. Right, you know, and it's great. Like, I, I, where I live, there's loads of birds. You have a singing thrush every morning. There's loads of birds around. They'll all be gone. They, they feed off the things that feed off the plants. And, and, and it's something we don't notice. But yeah, if you fast forward into 2083, I think it, it hopefully it won't be shocking and that people will realise and, and say, no, we, we don't want this to decline completely. And we owe it to, to the future generations to, to preserve some of this as, as a really important system. And Ireland is 
in a good position for that. It's not got a huge population. It's not got enormous climate pressures. So I think we, we owe it to ourselves and to our future generations to do this. Dr. Micheline Sheehy Skeffington, if you don't measure the problem, you can't solve the problem. And the work of the Botanical Society continues. And Micheline is very keen that you should all know that if you want to get involved in the work of recording plant species, you can. BSBI.org is their site where you'll also find links to that atlas.